today on It's Time. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why is that? It's perishing. I hear the calling. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible, Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to start into some new ground. We left off uh, Colossians chapter 2. And again, the best way to study the Bible is line upon line, precept upon precept. This is what the book of Isaiah says is the way we are to study God's Word. Not hopscotching through the Bible, not taking our favorite topics, but looking at what the Bible says in its entirety. Why is that? You will be balanced. You will know God's Word. You will not know parts of God's Word. You'll know all of God's Word. Why is that important? Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not just some of it, not favorite topics again, but by every word. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your Word this morning, thank you that you love us. And thank you that you have the very best for us, that if we would simply study your word, love you and love our neighbor, God, we'll find our lives fulfilled and complete. And so we ask you now that as we would read these words, we would remember these things, and Father, that we could apply them in our daily lives, all the days of our life, in Jesus' name, amen. The Bible sometimes uses contrast to exemplify or exaggerate the point. You have, as an example, the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man fared sumptuously, the Bible says, every day. In other words, he was Gucci. He had it all. And on the other hand, the poor guy, outside of his gate, the dogs come up, lick his sores. He was in bad shape. Well, they both died. The Bible says the rich man died and was buried. Lazarus, the Bible says the angels came and got him. I I like that. I like that triumphant entry into glory. I I like that. Well, they went to this place called Abraham's bosom. And here again, you find a contrast. You find Abraham's bosom, a place of comfort, and you find the place a rich man finds himself in a place of torment. Now, the reason why I believe that is, is because sometimes when we contrast a thought to something that's on the opposite end of the spectrum, it exemplifies or exaggerates what's being said. In Colossians here, Paul is writing to this church at Colossae. Now, this letter was written around 660 AD. He had never been to the church at Colossae, but he loved those people because they loved Jesus. And I believe that, again, friends, is the basis and the criteria for everything that we do is love. You know, it's interesting if you do a cursory study of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And notice when it says, and Jesus, seeing the multitudes, had compassion on them. I really believe there's no real ministry apart from compassion or love. A lot of people, Paul says, preach the word of God through contention or selfish gain or something else. Need to be careful of that. 
But when the Bible talks about when we really love God and we're going to teach his word, we teach it with passion. Because first of all, you love God, you love them. You want to communicate the love of God to people. Okay, so the last part of chapter 2, we find the doctrines of men being taught by these men for a reason. Now notice there's a summary of it in verse 23 of chapter 2. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. This is one of the things you get into when you get into the cults. And in the Christianity, too, that their, their target is off. Again, it says they have an appearance of wisdom, self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. All the religions of men will not help you overcome the old sin nature. That's what we all fight with, friends. I mean, we all fight with an old sin nature. Uh, if you haven't met him lately, accept Jesus as your Savior, you'll become very much aware of him. Why is that? Because the Bible says we pass from death unto life when we accept Christ as our Savior. Why is that important? Well, because the reason you live, the purpose that you live for, the self you live with, all these things are part of a composite person, which we are. You can have a very healthy body, but a very sick soul. You can have a very healthy wallet and want to kill yourself. Why is that? Because we're a composite body. God's word addresses all aspects of our life. And this is only, only in God do we find this. And one of the things that, again, I've shared this many times, but the religions of the world, the self-imposed religions that we just read about, will tell you in some way how to get right with God. Well, you know, go over and burn so many incense sticks, or go whack so many dogs, or wash so many cats. <laughs> Don't try that at home. Um, and somehow to get right with God. And Jesus is what made us right with God. But none of these religions of the world ever tell you how God will rebuild you. Only God in Jesus Christ in the Bible is the rebuilder of our souls. Religions may tell you falsely how you can get right with God, go sell flowers in airports, go do something like that. But there's never any restorative work offered in these religions that God will fix you. I like that about God. Paul says, knowing this, all things work together for good to those that love God that are called according to his purpose. Even the bad things that's happened to you, God is bigger than the things you've done wrong and will fix those things. Now again, we realize that we have a big God. We need to always understand that. So that's the preface for chapter 3. If then, verse 1, you were raised with Christ. Seek the things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. If you, it's not talking about somebody else, if you have been raised with Christ. I pray you have today. What raised with Christ means dead to yourself, alive in Christ. Now, why is that important? Man cannot serve two masters. You're going to love one, hate the other, hate one, love the other. Why? I'm so confused. That's why. We get confused. If we are doubly minded, we're going to be looking both ways. Do I want to please me today? Do I want to please God today? Do I want to please me today? Do I want to please God today? And we go back and forth, oscillating back and forth. And we really don't know who we are because we've lost our identity in the confusion. This is what always happens. 
And so that's why we need to be singularly focused. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for what? They will see God. What does pure in heart mean? Well, it's interesting. The word in the English means singular. You know, when we say, well, it's pure milk, that means it doesn't have plaster of Paris in it. Well, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure that are looking one way. What do you see? You'll see God. Isn't that great to know? That God desires to reveal himself to his servants. Henceforth, Jesus said, I'll no longer call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master's doing. I'm going to call you friends. It's God's good pleasure to reveal to you what he wants you to do. Well, if you then are raised with Christ, seek the things which are above. Where Christ is setting at the right hand of God. Now again, when we look at this, we realize his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, when it says, seek the things which are above, remember they came to Jesus. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Like John taught his disciples. He said, well, when you pray, pray in this manner. It's very clear. In, in, if you study the gospels, it says, pray in this manner. Uh, Pray in this blueprint. Jesus does not say, pray this prayer mindlessly in vain repetition until you get what you want. Our Father, which art in heaven, I'll let me be vain. Our Father, which art in heaven, go say 25 Hail Marys, go say 25 Our Fathers, and you'll get what you want. Well, that isn't what it says. The Bible says, Our Father, which art in heaven. It's that blueprint is what God wants for you. Our Father. You know, can you say that this morning? Our Father, Daddy? The Bible says we're adopted. That's what the Bible means. Our Father. Now, it tells me a couple things. When I say our Father, that tells me that we all share the same dad. That's good news. We also have our Father, which art in heaven, which tells me God has a different perspective of everything I see than I do. I have an earthly view. God looks over everything. Oh, I like that overview. Our Father, which art in heaven, he has that overview of everything going on in our life. Now he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it say here? If you were then raised with Christ, seek the things which are above. God's purpose for your life. You know, that's the only fulfilling place you'll ever find meaning in your life. Now, people say, well, what, what does that mean? Because we can live our life selfishly or we can live our lives for God. It reminds me of a story. This guy was ill and he was getting sicker by the day. Went to the doctor. Doctor says, bud, you're ready to check out. You've got about a month left. Goes to his wife, says, I don't know what to do. I got a lot of money. I don't know what to do. And he says, I thought about it. I'm going to put my money in my briefcase. I'll put it in the attic. And when I die, I'll just grab it when I'm going up. She goes, that's a good idea. Well, the man finally dies. The confusion and everything in the, in the funeral services and all those things, a month goes by and a lady comes over, one of her friends, and says, did you ever look, did he get his satchel, did he get his briefcase and money when he was going up? She goes, I don't know, I forgot to look. So they went up and there it was, still upstairs, right above his bedroom. She looks at her girlfriend and says, I told him to put it in the basement. Well, the reason why is that we have this idea of, of really two ways of living our lives. Either we can serve God or we can serve ourselves. 
So he says in verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why is that? It's perishing. Now again, if you get your identity, and everybody needs identity, and this is how the whole Madison Avenue, Hollywood, uh, commercial world operates, is getting your identity from something. So it's Gucci. Uh, do you uh, name brand jeans? Do, do you, you know what all this stuff that somehow is to make us give us identity? Now, why is that? Because God knows you and me, and He knows that we do need identity. We have to identify with something. And if you're not identifying with God, you're identifying with things of the world, and the world is perishing. That's why following after fads will never get you what you need. Why is that? Because it changes. And you can be the number one most hip dude in the world, and in a month or a year, you're not that way anymore. You know, I I look at, you, you can just see in just the last 15 years, the change in technology and, and, and the way things are. Uh, I, somebody said they don't make iPhones or iPads anymore or whatever the little phone thing. They stop making them. Why? Because the new cell phones have taken the place of it. Don't need it anymore. And I look at this and I realize that everything is moving, but God is stationary. God is the rock. That's why Jesus doesn't doesn't compel us to be part of the world. He compels us to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Now he says, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is extremely important verse. And here's why. Because you died. This is not the message of the megachurches. The message of the megachurches is get it your way, put Jesus in your pocket and climb to the top. That is not what the Bible teaches. It's a faulty gospel. And this is one of the problems that the Bible says in the last days. People will have itching ears, heaping teachers unto themselves because they want it all and they want God to be their Santa Claus. Well, let me tell you something, friends. How many, how many salvation messages do you think were going on in the early church? When Christians were being rounded up by the millions and fed to the lions. Hey, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior and and be lion food tomorrow? Well, that would sure change your perspective a little bit, wouldn't it? But you see, that's what it was about. And the thing is, we have today in the world what's called easy believism. Now, I believe believing in Jesus is the easiest thing we can ever do. I, I do. I do not mean, I believe that Jesus made it as simple as he could. He didn't make it hard. Why is that? Except a man becomes a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of God. God made it easy. God made it simple. But here's what it means by that. It's that simple childlike faith that God is speaking of. No longer I, but Christ who lives within me. There's all of us have in our ideas and minds our aspiration, visions, dreams, purpose, all those kinds of things. But when I come to Christ, I lay him at his feet because God put you, me, on this earth for a reason. But if I'm pursuing what I think formed by the ideas of a perishing world or my identity comes from a perishing world, I won't be doing what God wants me to do. And so therefore, I take all that when I come to Christ, I lay at his feet. You know, you know God, it's like, a, it's like taking a wrecked car to the wrecking yard. Well, you know, 
uh, Mr. Wrecking Yard owner. If there's anything salvageable in that, you know, I'll take it. Other than that, there it is. And God says, we're going to do it all a new way. Look at the Apostle Paul. Interesting individual. Wrote this that we're reading. The Bible tells us that he was schooled by Gamaliel. He was uh, an Ivy League Jewish boy, son of a Pharisee. The guy had it all. He had all the, the credentials that would make someone in the religious world great in those days. And he felt full of pride that he was doing God a favor by going around having Christians arrested and executed. And he was on his merry way one day. To Damascus. And the Lord nailed him. The Bible says that he fell to the ground. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's interesting, when he got to Damascus, he was filled with the Spirit at that point. And what was really interesting, I believe, in this story that, that, uh, of Paul's conversion Basically, everything that he had accumulated in the Jewish world, God scrapped it and said, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Now, you look at this, Peter, a man's man. You know, I'll never deny you, Lord. And then he denies the Lord and cusses and swears and all that stuff that he never knew him. Jesus catches up with him on the Sea of Galilee. Peter, do you love me? Well, you know, Lord, I'm fond of you. Well, Jesus... Peter, do you love me? Do you copy me? Well, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. And finally, Jesus on the third time says, Peter, are you fond of me? And he says, yeah, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. Does it mean anything to you? I ask you three times. You denied me three times, I ask you three times. Well, what's funny in that story is that Peter was kind of the, the gruff guy, the fisherman. Now, if there was any, anybody by logic you would send to the Gentiles... It wouldn't be the Ivy League boy. It would be somebody that would be gruff and tough and everything like that. But no, you know who God sends to the Jews? Peter. You know, the rough, gruff guy. And who does he send to the Gentiles? The Ivy League Jewish boy? No, he sends Paul to the Gentiles. Well, this is just the way it works. God doesn't often... Use our strength. Why is that? Because then I don't need God. If you find yourself pressed sometimes in your Christian experience and you say, God, where are you? God's going, that's exactly where I want you. Why is that? Because it's no longer I, but Christ who lives within me. If I can answer all my own questions, I don't need God. That's one of the problems. Well, God, you know... I just kick it into cruise control. I, you can sit in the back now. I got it under control. Isn't that the way it is? How often, how hard do we pray when we're on a beautiful lake, we're catching fish, other than God, don't let it get off? No, we don't usually pray very hard, do we? But when we're going through a health issue or a loved one that's sick or something like that, oh, God, God, you know, I mean, we're crying out. Well, here's the thing. It's through the tough times that we grow in our relationship with God. So when God puts us in position 
When God puts us into a position we're uncomfortable with, God says, now you have to rely on me. Isn't that great? Now, we can stay in our comfort zone, our white picket fence, but then God comes along and jumbles everything up and requires us to go back to our relationship with him. Notice this. If you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, when I become a Christian, what I used to be ain't what I am now. That's important to always remember. His promises, as David said, are new every morning. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. I I like that. So we have the contrast. We have God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Now, it says in verse 5, and by the way, this this chapter 3 is really the heart of the believer. This is what the heart of the believer should be like. Therefore, and again, whenever you find the word therefore, it's usually in reference to a, a, a continuation of the thought or a contrast of what you just read. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Now, these are part of the old sin nature. These things never do us good. Now, now something you always have to remember is this. I've had people say, well, I'd be a Christian, but God doesn't want me to have any fun. You ever heard that one? I've heard that a lot. Well, God knows more about the fun than we do. God knows the hook in the fun. You know, the fish, I'm sure, sees the nice, big, fat, juicy, warm wiggling there and, and bites into it, doesn't see the hook. Well, always remember, sin always has a hook. Now, it's well-disguised. And sometimes the hook is not set till maybe sometimes years after we've swallowed the worm. But know this, God knows more about sin than we do. Notice what he says here. Therefore, put to death. Now, not just entertain it, not just uh, set it aside. He said, kill it. Why? Because if you don't kill it, it's going to kill you. Now, this is what it is. Now, God designed us. Now, this is one of the great problems. I got a lot of problems with evolution, but this is one of the greatest problems I have with evolution. God designed us. We're created in his image. There is a master design in you that made you who you are and the purpose for which you are. It didn't just happen. It was divinely created. Now, why is that important? Because if we allow things to go on in our life that don't belong, it's going to cause problems later on. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time.